0: Well, good morning. It is nice to be with you again in our third week of this series where we're looking at three pathways to a deeper faith in 2024. I don't know if you've ever looked up in the sky and seen a formation of birds flying in a V shape. Often we see uh, or hear of geese doing it, other um, types of birds do it as well. But there's a variety of different ways that are uh, reasons why geese fly in the V formation. Ultimately, though, it comes down to the fact that they can fly a lot further when in formation than uh, when they're flying by themselves. Scientists have um, come up with a variety of different reasons for this. Firstly, it's an aerodynamic formation the V. Uh, The bird at the front of the V creates a slipstream which pulls along the birds behind it um, but also the birds behind the one in front uh, in their upward uh, flapping of their wings actually push the bird at the front forwards as well and so there's this push-pull thing going on that makes it a more aerodynamic formation Um, also they tend to rotate their leadership the birds at the front um, does do more work than the birds at the back and so uh, they rotate through that leadership Um, if a bird gets sick or injured um, and falls out of formation um, uh, at least another couple of birds will fall out of formation with it so that when it is able to go on they can fly again in formation and lastly, um, uh, with the advent of drones um, and um, light aircraft, scientists have now been able to fly up into the formation um, of the geese. And one of the things that they found is that it's an incredibly noisy place as well. Uh, flying up there, there's a lot of honking that's going on and they they didn't quite know why this was the case, but one of the theories is that because uh, of all the honking, it's almost like um, being in the locker room before a game of football, uh, where the footballers all rev each other up. It can be a very noisy place. Um, the theory is that that honking is an encouragement. It's a um, it's a, a self-talk within the formation to uh, encourage one another on to uh, fly further. Um, And so as a result of all of these things, and probably others as well, I'm not a biologist, um, the the geese are able to fly further in formation than they are by themselves. Uh, This week, we're continuing our series of looking at three different pathways or three different journeys that we can go on to deepen our faith in 2024. And the one we're looking at today is the together journey, which takes um, this same principle on that when we do faith together, we can go deeper than perhaps if we were doing faith by ourselves, that the togetherness of faith that we see in the life of Jesus and throughout the whole Bible is something that we can really grapple with. Just to recap a little bit, um, for those of you who uh, maybe it's been a couple of weeks since you've heard what we've been looking at, we've been looking at this verse from Ephesians, which encourages us to look carefully at how we walk and to consider how we walk, particularly as we think about 2024. How are we walking into 2024 when it comes to our faith? And I've put forward these three journeys. Um, uh, that uh, can help us to think about our faith and to deepen our faith. In week one, we looked at the inner journey, where we take seriously the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Uh, In week two, we looked at the outer journey, which takes seriously the command to love your neighbor as yourself. And this week we're looking at the together journey. And the idea is that we, um, to have a a deeper faith, we actually need to grapple with all three of these journeys together. Last week and the week before, we looked at those commands from Jesus from Matthew 28. This week we're dipping into John where Jesus actually says a new command I give to you to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus here is talking to his disciples. They've just had the Passover. Jesus has just washed their feet. Judas has just left to go and uh, betray Jesus. Um, The crucifixion is looming. Um, It's kind of the height of the story in many ways. We know a lot of what's going on in this particular situation. The disciples don't fully grasp what's happening. They don't know what's about to happen. They don't know that Judas has gone to betray Jesus. Um, They don't know that Peter will deny Jesus, something that um, Jesus is about to say as well. They don't know a lot of the subplots that's going on here, but they've just seen Jesus... Wash their feet, which would have been an uncomfortable thing for them to experience. Jesus, their leader, taking on the um, position of a servant to wash their feet. Um, They protested at that, but he insisted. So he's just done this really tangible thing that has probably confused them a little bit. And then he says, A new command I give to you to love one another as I have loved you. And so we have this beautiful command given in the context of him loving them in a new and uncomfortable way, um, uh, which is a very powerful thing. He actually says here a new command, which... Um, is a, probably a, a little bit confusing for them in some ways because um, part of the Jewish tradition was to love one another. Um, as we discussed last week, um, to love your neighbor was actually to love other Jewish people. And so to, to love each other, it was something that they've probably heard before, but the newness of this command was perhaps more in the way that they were to love and to have this illustration of him loving them in an uncomfortable way washing their feet was uh, perhaps um, uh, uh, fresh in their mind as I said there was a lot of other things going on beneath the surface here that we understand that they didn't Um, he uh, has just sent Judas on his way to betray him and yet he says love one another even in the face of betrayal, he encourages us to love one another. Either, Even the people who uh, don't deserve the love, um, he says to love one another. He's about to tell Peter that he's going to deny him. Knowing this, he says, love one another. Even those who may deny me, love them as well. Um, and he um, of course we know the ultimate act of love that he's about to do that his disciples don't fully yet understand but you can imagine um, months later as they remembered this command that he gave them love one another as I have loved you a couple of months later they've seen how he's loved them they've seen the the ferocity of ferocity of his love uh, as he hung on the cross. Uh, I can imagine this, this command ringing in their ears still, love one another as I've loved you. This is a ferocious love that he has for me, and he wants me to love my brother, my sister, as he has loved me. Um, the sacrifice of his love so it's a beautiful command it's an uncomfortable command even today centuries later for us to take seriously how are we supposed to love one another as fellow disciples this week we're not talking about loving our world loving our neighbor in the broader sense of it we want to bring it back to how do we love one another Um, as he has loved us. What does this mean for us, particularly as we look into 2024? I love the fact that these verses kind of tie us into the inner journey and the outer journey. Um, He says, Love one another as I have loved you. This speaks to me a little bit of that inner journey. We think of our love for Jesus, his love for us. It's the inner journey. Um, but he also ties it into our outer journey as well. He says at the end there, by this, your love for one another, this is how the world's going to know that you're my disciples. This is your distinctive mark as disciples of me, is that people are going to look at how you treat one another. People are going to treat, see, look at how you love one another as my disciples, and they're going to say, He's one of, they're one of Jesus' disciples. That's the distinguishing mark of us as disciples. I wonder how um, the world sees us. (laughs) Do we love one another and um, do they see us um, loving one another in in a distinct way that makes them think of Jesus? Um, I'm not sure that over history, the church has had too much success with that at times, but it should spur us on. Um, And it shows us that there is a connection between how we treat each other and how we are seen by the world. Um, As I've been thinking about um, uh, this particular topic of loving one another, um, uh, journeying with one another, doing fellowship with one another, I'm drawn to this passage in Acts chapter 1, which gives us a beautiful picture of how the early church grappled with this idea of loving one another. We see them uh, described in this way. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. We'll unpack that word again in a a minute. Um, To the breaking of bread and to prayer. A little bit forward, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Again, we see here this tying in of the together journey and the outer journey. Um, People saw the way they were looking after one another, saw the way that they gathered together and loved one another. They shared with one another. They were generous with one another. They were doing faith together. And as a result of this, the world saw who they were and they joined. They wanted to join. So we see here... Um, this, this connection between the together journey and the outer journey. Um, and this is something that I, I do wonder whether we need to grapple more with. We sometimes see what we do in the church and out of the church as being separate in some ways. Um, but I do wonder what would happen if we fully grasp this idea of loving one another um, and doing community with one another to such an extent that it becomes attractive um, to those outside of our community. This beautiful picture that we have there. We, of course, know that um, even in the years following this picture, that it got hard for them to do it. You look at Paul's letters, um, his epistles, we see that he's writing to churches who were in conflict at times and were really grappling with it. It's not... um, going to be an easy thing. We know right from the beginning that it it was difficult, um, but it should spur us on, I think, this picture to love one another. That word fellowship comes up um, at the start there in verse 42. That word comes up a lot in church circles. I remember as a kid going to fellowship lunches after services where everyone would bring a a, um, a part of a meal and we would eat together, this idea of fellowship. I never really understood what fellowship meant until I um, went to Bible college and did a bit of a word study on it. I did an essay on fellowship the Greek word um, koinonia is, um, is the word, and it can be defined as holding something in common, this idea of having something in common. But it also is an interesting word. When you look at all the different times it's used, I think it's used about 19 times in the New Testament, and they're always... It's always connected with doing or action in some way. Um, It's not seen as a passive word. It's an active word. So fellowship isn't just about belonging. It's not just about having things in common, but it's a doing word. People participating together, sharing, being active. Um, And so as we think about fellowship, it shouldn't just be seen as belonging to our church or um, having um, um, uh, synergy with with another person. It's a doing word. And um, I think that's something that perhaps we lose a little bit of. Uh, you look at the picture in Acts there of the fellowship that the early church has and they are doing things together. They are selling their possessions and giving to those in need. They are meeting together and eating together. They are going to the temple together. They're not passive, they're active in the relationship that they have with one another. And so fellowship, yes, it might include um, having synergy with them, having a sense of belonging, but it needs to be something that we are active about as well. A few other passages come to mind. This one here in Romans. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another uh, above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. We see here, again, lots of action, lots of um, mourning with one another, um, rejoicing with one another, being faithful in prayer with one another. I don't know about you, but the words one another are a bit of a repetition in this particular passage. We see it used three times. We see it also in other passages like this one in Hebrews. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching another beautiful kind of spurring on uh, for us to um, do faith together, spur one another on this. These words, one another, uh, as I was reading um, these passages this week and others that I was um, that pick up this theme, I, I kept being drawn to these words, one another. I'd never really noticed them before. But as I kind of looked into it, again, the Greek word there is Allion. And it's a phrase that's used over a hundred times in the New Testament. A hundred times these words, one another, are used. Uh, I'd never really looked into it before. And so I dug into all of the different instances that I could find where Allion was used 59 of those 100 or so verses are specific commands or specific teachings on how to relate to one another. And uh, it's quite the massive list, really. I'm not going to share all of them with you, but let me just run through some of them. Uh, Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honour one another. One another, live in harmony with one another, build up one another, be like minded towards one another, accept one another, admonish one another, greet one another, care for one another, bear the burdens of one another, forgive one another, be patient, welcome, teach, comfort, encourage, be at peace with one another, speak the truth. To one another stir up one another show hospitality use the gifts to benefit one another sing psalms hymns and songs to one another clothe yourself with hum- humility towards one another serve one another confess your faults and pray for one another what an amazing list of things that we are told to do with one another and towards one another um, as I was thinking about, you know, what are some practical things that we can do in 2024 um, to grow our love for one another, one another, I wondered whether we should just print out this list and work through it. Um, it's, a, it's got lots of practical things there that we can be doing with one another this year. It's, it's a confronting list in many ways. Um, if we sat with this list for a little while and asked ourselves, How many of these things are we doing with one another? I don't know how many I could tick off. You know, some of them, they come easy. I come to church and I sing songs with one another, towards one another. I can tick that one off. But some of the other ones, there are pretty hard at times. Forgiveness, admonishing one another. These are things that take um, stepping out of our comfort zone. So how do we actually wrestle with this? in 2024. Uh, you'll remember that I want us to this series to be practical. I'd love for us each to come away with something we can do um, to set our intentions for 2024, to make sure that we do grow in some ways. So what are we going to actually do this year from this list, perhaps? Um, some practical suggestions for you. Firstly, I would really encourage us all to um, have a, a period of discernment. Um, and this has been a theme in each of the weeks. I've actually mentioned um, discerning, asking God what he wants us to do in this particular area. Um, perhaps asking God who In our community or who, as brothers and sisters in Christ, do you want me to travel alongside this year? Maybe there's someone in our community that God has put on your heart to encourage this year, to do faith with this year. Um, How might you serve this year? Maybe God has been prompting you to step up and to serve in some practical way within our community this year. Where might you participate this year? Maybe God has been putting on your heart to participate in one of the many things that we do as a community this year. Maybe it's about attending something, uh, a service perhaps. Uh, maybe God has been putting on your heart that you need to be more regular in, in the attending of a, a service, whether that be the morning or the evening service, or maybe it's a connect group. Maybe, be, uh, maybe this is the year that you need to re-engage with a small group within our community. And I'm sure that one of our ministry team would be able to um, give you some direction in that into some of the groups that might be available for you um, to join Maybe it is attending um, one of our age groups, ministries, whether that be uh, youth, if you're a young person or young adults, or maybe it's the men's group that um, meets together um, Monday nights, um, barbecue ribs, or maybe it's um, participating in one of the girls' night in that will be running again this year. There's a variety of different things that we run as a church for us, Um, We do things that are more missional in focus, but these things are um, uh, for us to get to know one another and to do faith with one another as well. Maybe it's about serving. And there's, again, a variety of different things that you can do inside of our community to serve one another to do faith with one another that might be something like joining the hospitality team welcoming people um, and helping our services to run well Um, maybe it's joining the worship team or the tech team or uh, volunteering to make coffee for people on a sunday morning maybe it's about leading in one of our um, programs whether that be children's or youth or young adults Or maybe it's about not just joining a small group, but actually putting up your hand to lead one. Or maybe it's joining our prayer team. There's a variety of different things. And again, the ministry team would be the the great people to go and talk to, to explore what it is that you can do to participate, to, um, uh, to serve in one of these areas. Or maybe it's just something else. Maybe it's about writing a letter to someone within our community, a letter of encouragement. Uh, Maybe it's about mentoring someone, whether that be formally or informally. Maybe it's about um, giving gifts, um, small gifts of uh, generosity, maybe financial gifts to people in need or um, to, to help us to run different programs. Or maybe it's outside of our community. Yes, uh, one church is one area that you can explore um, loving one another. But certainly there is the broader Christian community as well. And maybe God is putting on your heart uh, to join in in one of the many different ministries that are outside of our church uh, for Christians. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you want to pause the video briefly now just to pray about it and to come up with something that you might want to do. Um, As I have encouraged in previous weeks, I think sometimes developing a rhythm around these things can be good to do, Um, whether they be reminding yourself on your phone to check in with other Christians and to encourage. Maybe it's about attending uh, programs that are weekly or monthly, Um, There's rhythms that you can build into your um, life this year to help you to be more intentional about these things. Now, as this is the end of our series, I did want to kind of circle back a little bit to look at these three journeys again. My hope is that by looking at the inner together and outer journeys, that you don't see them as prescriptive in any ways. For me, they've just been a helpful way for me to think about my faith and being intentional with my faith. I also find them really useful as I um, review how I'm going with my faith as well. Um, And a useful exercise might simply be to ask yourself, which of the three journeys do I feel strongest in? Which of them do I feel weakest in at the moment? Um, Maybe as a result of this series, you've come away with something in each of the three journeys that you want to put into place this year. Or maybe you've been feeling God has put on your heart to really grow in one of the areas. Um, Sometimes we ask ourselves that question and can realise that there's been an area of our faith that we've been neglecting. Um, I've certainly felt over the years that I've been stronger in one or two of the areas and maybe been neglecting the other. And maybe it's about rebalancing your faith in some ways. I actually think that there's a danger in ignoring any one of these particular areas, areas. Um, Take the inner journey, for example. If all you do is the inner journey, you lock yourself away in a room and just pray and worship and read your Bible. These are good things, but if you're not actually engaging in the outer journey, loving your neighbor or um, the together journey, loving one another, your faith can become very insular. And and as I mentioned last last week, it's sort of like inhaling without exhaling. Our faith is actually designed to, yes, for us to connect with God, but for also that to flow out into the way we interact with one another. And so to ignore the other journeys can be a dangerous thing. We can end up being very insular. Um, Ignoring any of the other ones can be um, bad as well. Uh, If all we ever do is the outer journey, if all we ever do is love our neighbour, love our world, serve our world, we can very easily end up being burnt out by not actually drawing back into the inner journey. Last week, I mentioned that rhythm of Jesus. He he was drawn into quiet, lonely places to connect with God and then propelled into his relationships with his disciples, but also uh, serving and loving his world. The balance was there. And if all we ever do is the outer journey, we don't come back to God, uh, it can end up being just a... Um, a doing, 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 and not actually growing in our faith as well. Um, And the same is true if we ignore the together journey. I've actually come across a variety of people over the years who've become so separate from the church and others in their faith journey that their beliefs and their actions can sort of drift away from, um, from what God really wants for us. And it's very easy without that accountability that doing faith together to have your beliefs and and the things that you do sort of drift off from being what the gospel is truly about. And I've seen people get into trouble with their faith because they don't put themselves in those accountable relationships with one another. So my hope in all of uh, this is for us to um, be individuals who are growing in these three areas and for us to be a church who is growing in these three areas as well. Uh, As a community, we need to take seriously the call to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul and mind, to love our neighbour as ourselves, and to love one another as we have been loved. And my prayer is that um, by grappling with all of this, that we will have uh, a year, that we will grow in our love. And I just want to finish with these verses from Ephesians, which talk about um, this love, and it's my prayer for you and for me. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of of all the fullness of God.